and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I'm Tobias. I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. I've come to the realization that winter is finally coming back to Finland. So they are predicting this morning sub zero temperatures in northern Finland, meaning Lapland. So what this means is that we are not getting snow, I, I think in about, not at least for six weeks from now, uh, but I have to start gathering stuff from the yard, unassembling the trampoline. The kids will complain about that. And again, thinking how the heating systems work in my house. So there's a lot of um, control panels. There's a lot of knobs that I can sort of do something with. And since you do not need to touch any of those between April and late September, it's always a bit of a uh, learning journey, trying to figure out how did this work again? Is it warm tomorrow? Is it cold tomorrow? How do I want the house to react to that one? So it's fun. It's not IT, but it's something that's very tangible in, in, in the sense that how you wake up in the morning. So that's what's up for me. I think uh, most houses today would be smart enough to have one of those devices, even to old heating systems. You can plug in a smart device now, which is pretty convenient. Um, so on my side, we will have a crayfish party, um, which is called Kreftfuiva in Swedish. That's a traditional kind of Swedish celebration that takes place in late summer, typically during August, um, but also, um, you know, early and mid-September. And this event uh, is really a way to mark the crayfish harvest season. And, um, you know, you have a festive atmosphere. Uh, it's often outdoors. If it's bad weather, obviously you go indoors. Uh, it's one of the most iconic traditions we have in Sweden and really has roots several centuries um, going back. So the main focus of the party is, of course, eating crayfish because it's, you know, it's the season now and now you're allowed to fish crayfish because you're not allowed to, to do that all year. So for for every year, this is kind of the summer uh, summary of a crayfish party. Uh, you have the communal joy, you know, you have your gathering, you have late summer ambience and good times some traditional songs and lanterns outdoor sit with good friends. You have some aquavits toasts or some schnapps, uh, usually in an outdoor setting, if you can, if, if the weather allows. Uh, so it's really a cultural experience and there's a lot of laughter involved. So looking forward to that. We're going to spend all weekend, uh, you know, driving three hours north uh, from where we live. We'll check into a hotel uh, tonight and then tomorrow the party will start and we'll party all the way into Sunday with the entire family and, and all the other families. Uh, and then hopefully we will be able to drive back on Sunday at some point. I'm always reminded of the crayfish parties when a friend of mine or friendly families of mine who are Finnish Swedish, they invite us around this time of the year. Hey, come to our place. Let's do crayfish party. I'm like, I have no idea what it means, but sounds like it's going to be a lot of food, some drinks and very late nights. Uh, on community highlights, a couple of interesting uh, blogs. I found one from Sonia Cuff on how to display Azure Monitor alerts with smart lights and no code. So this reminds me of, uh, I, I think I mentioned this maybe three years ago, I built the Philips Hue smart light integration with my team. So whenever my microphone is open, the light outside my home office would turn red so people would know I am in a meeting or I'm recording the 
podcast. So this is a notch up from that. And you can find the link for the community highlights in the show notes. Uh, Toby, did you find anything from the community? So I, I did find uh, an interesting one, and, and this is actually in the Astro.com blog. So it's in the big blog uh, by Ben Ufuk uh, Teskin. Um, and he's a principal PM in for AI platform at Microsoft, talking about welcoming the generative AI era to Microsoft Azure. So I think that's an interesting read, especially since we've been talking a lot about AI, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks, in the last couple of episodes. So that blog post goes through breaking down uh, generative AI. You know, what are the new possibilities for business? How is it shaking up the industries? Uh, some case studies and like overcoming AI anxiety. Um, you know, how do you build trust in new technology? So it's really an interesting uh, blog post with a bunch of references and, and links to other things. So um, take a look at that. That was uh, a really good read. Looks interesting. I need to look uh, read that as well. So today's episode is Azure Update. So we have a look at what's been announced and communicated on all things Azure, maybe maybe every four, every five weeks. And now is the time. So we both have our updates. I, I think we have an equal number of, of updates. But let me start with something relatively uh, specific, but I still think this is super interesting. Uh, something that is in preview, and this is uh, Azure VNet Flow Logs. So Azure Virtual Network Flow, meaning traffic flow, you can get the logs now. So you can capture the IP traffic flowing through the VNets that you control in Azure, and you can send that data to your storage accounts. And once it's dumped there, you can then figure out what do I want to do with this. Maybe I want to export this to a CM setup like Microsoft Sentinel, or maybe I want to use Power BI or Excel to analyze something, maybe debug something or just see how the traffic is flowing. There's also a small capability there called Traffic Analytics that aims to visualize and analyze the traffic for you. So I probably wouldn't use this on a daily basis, but especially when you're debugging for something or you're hunting for an issue, then you would enable this on your VNet. You would dump their logs in the storage account and then use traffic analytics to figure out, oh, there's the problem. So I need to do this and this and this and this. So that was first on my list. Toby, what do you have on your list? All right. So first on my list is around AI, and this is Azure AI content safety, um, which is now in public preview. And uh, this was actually published already in May this year um, as a public preview, but it, it does, um, I don't think we talked about it, and it does uh, come with pretty important kind of aspects for, for people working with AI. So it's a new Azure AI service that helps create secure online spaces. So it's like a cutting edge AI model uh, or models and he can detect harmful and hateful voice, sexual and self-harm content and images and text and, and all these things that, and that we often talk about for content moderation. It assigns a severity score. It allows businesses to really limit and prioritize kind of what content moderators need to review. So the humans involved will have less things to review because this uh, Azure AI service will help you reduce kind of that and, and reduce the uh, false positives, if you will. So it also handles nuance and context. So it reduces that number of false positives as well, uh, really easing the load for any human content moderators and, and content moderator teams. Um, 
which I think is a good thing because I know some businesses that are huge and they work a lot with AI and, and they also work a lot with content when like consumer services where you have a lot of generated content, human generated, you know, chat boards, chat messages, uh, different apps for communicating and whatever. And there's a, you know, there are huge teams of content moderators and they have their hands full. So hopefully this can reduce that for them a little bit. So it comes with the, you know, some good capabilities like content classification to classify the harmful content into those four categories I mentioned, severity scores, semantic understanding. So you can use natural language processing to really comprehend the meaning of the context uh, of the language, both short and long form. Uh, it's multilingual, so not just English. I'm not sure all the languages that it supports, but that's something you can check out. Uh, it has computer vision um, to do advanced image recognition, um, stuff like that. Um, then, of course, it's uh, you know, customizable settings and things like that. You can address specific business regulations that you have for your business and whatever policies you need to adhere to. You can configure some things uh, in that service as well. And it's real time. So you can really detect the harmful content in real time. So you don't have to rely on this as uh, an analytic service uh, post-event. So it's not something you do once a week and then go back and see what happened, but it's actually real time and, and can do things for you in real time. So. And that was my first update, which I think is interesting for for anyone who needs, uh, you know, more content safety and and you know more kind of help along the way for content moderation. Then the Azure AI content safety might be something interesting to check out. That sounds interesting. I'm not sure if I would ever really have a need for this because I don't moderate any other content than the one that I typically produce. But this this for sure looks interesting. Um, next on my list, and this is probably something that maybe if you're listening on this when you're driving, perhaps stop the car, park it safely by the road because you 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 want to hold on to your seats when you hear about this. So this is a preview feature called multi-tenant organization in Azure AD, meaning Microsoft Enter ID tenants. So finally, finally, we are getting old school. Active Directory style trusts between multiple Entra ID tenants. And when I woke up this morning, I did not need this. But now when I'm reading this, I know I'm going to need this for a lot of use cases. So the idea here is that you have multiple tenants for a single organization, or you might have uh, multiple organizations that collaborate quite tightly together and they want to establish a fixed trust between those tenants. So this means that you get to collaborate across these tenants over Teams, for example, and you can search and discover user profiles from Microsoft 365. And instead of doing B2B guest invitations and, and the, uh, the redemption processes and all of that, that you typically would do manually, you configure this as an infrastructure setting in Entra ID, and then all users between those tenants can more freely collaborate and transfer content and data and whatnot. So this is this is in a way for enterprises, this is a game changer, but for smaller environments, I don't think anybody's going to need this. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I think the next on my list is around Azure Monitor. 
And this is now in GA, and this is Azure Monitor VM Insights using Azure Monitor Agent or the AMA. Uh, so the Azure Monitor VM Insights is now GA using the Azure Monitor Agent. Uh, VM Insights really provide a quick and easy method to monitor the client uh, workloads on your Azure virtual machines and virtual machine scale sets, but also your Azure Arc enabled service running in an on-prem or multi-cloud environment. So the key message with this update is, if you had previously configured VM Insights using Log Analytics Agent, uh, that is now deprecated. Uh, you should use the migration guidance to move to the Azure Monitor Agent instead. So the new agent provides various benefits, including cost savings, uh, simplified management experience, enhanced security, enhanced performance. Um, so if you're using this, if you have deployed uh, Log Analytics Agents to your VMs uh, with VM Insights, Take a look how you get to AMA or the Azure Monitor agent and make that migration. Good stuff. Uh, next on my list, this is public preview. Azure Firewall Explicit Proxy. And what this means is that you can configure an outbound traffic proxy for whatever services you have in your VNet. So it could be a VM uh, running services that need to access whatever, and you want to enforce the traffic through this explicit proxy on Azure Firewall, or it could be a VM or a virtual desktop where a user runs a browser and you want to enforce that this sort of a designated proxy is being utilized. Um, you do not need a user-defined route, which typically you would configure in Azure Firewall. Supports HTTP and HTTPS, so nothing else also supports pack files. So if you're using these automated files to configure an endpoint, you can drop that file now and it will enforce the use of explicit proxy in Azure Firewall. Okay, very nice. Then I will jump down to one of my updates, which is also around Azure Firewall. So there's actually a couple of updates here. Um, all around new monitoring and logging capabilities for Azure Firewall. So let's start with the ones in GA, the, the ones generally available right now. So you have structured logs, that is GA. Uh, that's a new login format, and that provides a little bit more detailed view of firewall events. So it provides, uh, you know, amongst others, these benefits. Uh, it's easier to work with the data in log queries and help discover schemas. It improves performance, it reduces latency, allows ability to grant Azure role-based access control rights on specific tables, which is nice. Uh, so that's structured logs. It's already available right now. The other thing that's also available right now is latency probe. And the latency probe metric is designed to measure the overall latency of Azure Firewall and provide insights into the health of the service, which is now something that you can see. Uh, whereas in the past, that might've been pretty tricky to understand, you know, do you have latency between the firewall and the client and like where is things happening? With the latency probe, you get some of that insight. And then also for Azure Firewall, there are two preview capabilities for monitoring and logging updates. Uh, one is resource health, which is in public preview right now. Um, that's a monitor that provides visibility into Azure Firewall's health status and allows you to really address service problems that may affect your Azure Firewall resource. So that's cool. And the other uh, preview feature that's also in public preview is embedded firewall workbooks. So you get integrated workbooks into Azure Firewall Portal 
and that provides uh, you know valuable insights and statistics regarding your firewall activities and events. So as you know, if if you work with workbooks, they're amazing. You can do a lot with them. You can build a bunch of queries. You can set up uh, you know dashboards, uh, charts, views, tabular data, really what whatever you want. Now you also get the embedded firewall workbooks, and that comes with some of this data for your firewall uh, activities and events. Super cool. A lot of updates for Azure Firewall, and it always reminds me that I'm not really using Azure Firewall all that often. I'm often happy with web application firewall, but I, I might need to take a new sort of renewed look at Azure Firewall if if it would serve some of those those needs that I typically have better. Uh, next on my list, a fairly tiny capability and something I wasn't expecting to need. But when I read about this, I figured, well, actually, this is quite handy. So this is a capability that allows you to quickly create Azure front door endpoints in front of Azure storage accounts. And quite often, you utilize Azure storage accounts for static files as, as file transfer drop points, sharing stuff from there, and then you secure them with maybe SAS keys or access keys even. And this allows you to configure a regular CDN content delivery network endpoint utilizing Azure front door. So you can add more security, but then you can also get the benefits of Azure front door. And this works for standard and premium endpoints, which is nice. All right, nice. Uh, I have one more update uh, to go today, and then I'm done. Uh, this is in GA. And I really like this one. It's how to upgrade uh, scheduled maintenance for AKS. So if you're running Azure Kubernetes services or AKS, you might be positively impacted by uh, the introduction of planned maintenance. So that's what it's called. Uh, it's in GA, so you can go use it right now. And that now allows you to schedule weekly maintenance windows to perform your updates. And that really helps you minimize your kind of workload impact. Um, so when you're configuring this, when you set this up, Updates will only happen in the time window that you selected, giving you back full control of when to push maintenance updates through to your AKS environments. And the reason I really like this is I've operated AKS environments in my past. Um, I also know people today operating AKS environments and, and all types of different environments. Specifically for AKS, I really like it because you can now schedule and say, look, we want extra eyes whenever we roll out these maintenance updates. because We've all heard about you know regular maintenance. You made an update and something stopped stopped working. It wasn't supposed to, but it did. Now you can control that and say the plant maintenance should be happening at this date at this time. And when you do that, you can make sure you have the staff ready to take a look and monitor and overview what goes on. If anything does happen, you know that there's a maintenance update happening right now, uh, and that may be something that you have to roll back. It may be something that need your your extra pair of eyes on. Uh, but now you can plan it as opposed to just kind of, okay, a new update is there. Let's roll it out whenever it's available. Now you can make the plans and say, this will happen within the window of our service when we will also do other kind of service upgrades or deploy some new stuff, whatever it might be. So uh, a really welcome update, I know, for a lot of folks that I know are operating their AKS clusters. I have to say I'm not the least bit of envious to anybody operating AKS. Uh, whenever mm -hmm. I look at it, I'm like, yeah, there's so many moving parts. Do I need this? Maybe no. I, I understand the, the value and utility of that. But for me, it's simply 
too messy and too complex. Uh, last one on my list, um, this is a public preview. For building AI-assisted calling workflows, meaning voice calls, with Azure AI Speech, utilizing Azure OpenAI, and Azure Communication Services. So initially, I found a note from Microsoft Build from May 2023 that this is coming, and now it's, it's available for public preview. So you can do call automation workflows utilizing Azure OpenAI, and it, uses, it utilizes the speech-to-text capabilities. And imagine somebody's calling your business, you have a voice automated system uh, for, for asking who do you want to reach or what, what service do you require. So you could build those type of calling services now without a lot of custom code. There's a C-sharp sample that utilizes OpenAI. I'm not sure if it's Azure OpenAI or OpenAI. Uh, so we put that in the show notes as well. So all of these uh, updates that we've shared, you can find the links in the show notes if you want to dig deeper into any of these. Uh, Alrighty, those were the updates. The last bit is the unexpected question. And Toby, this week it is going to be your turn to ask me the unexpected question. Okay, so um, I did think about a question here that I was pondering about this when I, because I'm going for a road trip, as I mentioned, we're going to the crayfish party. That's going to take three hours. So I, I had something I came to think about. So if you had to choose an animal as your co-pilot for a cross-country road trip, what animal would that be and why? Tough question. I've never had pets. And every month I think, yeah, it would be great to get a dog or a cat. And then I realize we typically leave home at 7.30 in the morning. We come back at maybe 7, 8 in the evening. Yeah, the, the, the pet is not going to work out at this point in life. Um, I am going to be a little bit boring here and say it's going to be a dog. Because I, I feel a dog is, is the best possible company you could have especially on a cross-country road trip. And if I were to drive from, let's say, from Finland to Sweden without taking the ferry, I, I think it's about a 12 to 6-hour drive. So yes, a dog would be the best co-pilot and companion for a trip like that. <laughs> All right, that's a, that's a good answer. My answer would be a kangaroo, because the extra pouch that they have would give us more storage space for snacks and souvenirs along the way. Blended thinking <laughs> outside the box. Alrighty, thank you for joining us. See you next week. All right, see you then.